principal Casey LaCour sharing with us on our first Advent <laughs> message. Yes. I am really happy to be here in this building. I'm also excited for every single one of you who's watching us online. Thank you for being here as well. And as Steph alluded to, I get to start off the Advent season with the very first message about God's gift to each one of us. So we're calling this Advent season, season series, God's Gift Welcomes Us Home. Isn't that a great graphic? I love all of the images around that phrase of being welcomed home. The feelings of gathering together with family and friends in a safe, warm, and cozy environment. All the smells, the sounds, the yummy food, the snowballs, all the things. And I can imagine, as has been alluded to already this morning, you might be thinking, wow, this is a switch from where we've been over the last several weeks as we've been talking about all of the things around lament and now we're shifting to this cozy homespun kind of Christmas series as we move into Advent. But you know what? I don't really think it's as big of a departure as maybe it feels like right in this moment. Not when you think about what the goal of lamenting really is. I think one of the things we learned in this season that we've been through in Lament is we've learned how to bring our collective sadness and our collective grief before God and be super honest, right? Honest with ourselves, honest with each other, and honest before God. And we've, as we've done that, we've brought that all to Him We've talked about this bridge then, right? This bridge that we cross over in lament and it's into the loving, gracious, generous arms of our Father. And it's that bridge that brings us home. And home is this deeper place of experiencing God. And Christmas is just all about that, right? Christmas is all about the very presence of God. Christmas is God showing up with us, right? Not leaving us in the misery of our lament. He sent Jesus here to welcome absolutely everyone home. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about God's presence and his generous hospitality. God inviting us home into more of his kingdom. Because when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating God's invitation back to the very place that we belong. We are welcomed home into God's presence, into God's family. And God makes all of this possible because of the gift of his son, Jesus. And it's this Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. So today we're going to take a look at God's generous hospitality. And then, what's our response to his generous hospitality? And you know what? It's meant to change us. He, he's, he's incredibly generously hospitable. And there's a response that we're meant to have. We're meant to become the same kind of people that he shows us to be, these generous, hospitable people. So before we jump into this and I read our scripture passages for today, let me pray. So Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit. We need the fullness of the Trinity today and every day. So even now, Holy Spirit, um, if there's a place in any of our hearts that feels a little resistant to the topic of hospitality for whatever reason, Holy Spirit, would you just come and soften those places? Yeah. Would you just meet us right where we are? Maybe we're coming into this space with a hundred different things on our mind. Jesus, would you just sit right beside us and give us the ability to hear what you have for us this morning? Thank you. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. We were going to look at two New Testament passages this morning. You can grab the Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you're at home, grab your Bible, grab your device, whatever. Or you can simply look up here in the screen. The first one is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And here's what it says. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And then we'll move to 1 Peter 4, 8, verses 8 and 9. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Well, at first glance, it might feel like in these two verses, this hospitality idea is kind of just stuck at the end there. Maybe it's not all that important. Maybe the important stuff is at the beginning, like loving really well, serving the Lord, being joyful when we're wronged, praying faithfully. And then, oh yeah, be hospitable too, kind of this add-on. But I don't think that's the intent of these passages. When we look at the context of Paul and Peter, Paul's writing a letter to the Romans, and then in the second passage it's Peter speaking. When we look at the context of where these verses are set into, it's all about these two men instructing the church how to be the church and what the church should, should function like and look like. So what they're doing is emphasizing the church is meant to love really, really well. And by the way, that's us. We are the church, right? We are meant to love really, really well. And hospitality is what that love looks like in action through the church. Let's stop here for a second. I've said the word hospitality several times. It seems like a good idea to define what it is I mean when I'm saying that. So the definition of the word hospitality, it means to extend a welcome to travelers or offer a home away from home. The word's derived from the Latin word hospice, which means visitor or stranger. So hospitality, it's not just meant to have your family and friends come into your home. It's actually meant to be a whole lot more than that. When we're talking about God's hospitality, we're talking about a radical welcoming home. 
It implies that we are welcoming into our homes and into our church family those who are on the outside. And this makes me think of when I've traveled in the past to East Africa. And you hear this word as you travel around, karibu, karibu. You hear it all the time. People come up to you, big smiles on their faces. No matter where you are, they shake your hand, they give you a hug or a pat on the back, and they say, karibu. It means welcome. And it makes you as a traveler feel like, wow, it feels like these people actually want me to be here. It feels like it doesn't matter that maybe I don't look like them or whatever it is. They're really happy to see me here. Now, I don't know how much you've traveled or the places you've traveled to, but I've traveled to a fair number of places where that's not how it's felt. In fact, it's felt um, like maybe these people aren't all that happy that I'm here. It doesn't feel terribly welcoming. But in East Africa, I feel this incredible, incredible, radical welcome. You know, the very first time my daughter Anna traveled to East Africa, she said she learned something really valuable from the way she was welcomed. Here's what she said. It makes me think about how God is always welcoming me into his kingdom. It doesn't matter what I look like, what I've done, if I'm tired and cranky, he's always saying karibu to me. He's always showing generous hospitality. And as the church, I think this is what people should feel like when they walk through our doors. Don't you? I know that you do. And it doesn't matter. We want people to walk through these doors, right? It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they've done or haven't done. We want this to be a safe place. We want this to be a place that feels like home. You know, recently I was reading a book and I came across an idea that was kind of a new idea for me on a story that was really familiar to me. So it was a new way to look at the story of the Good Samaritan. And if, if you're not familiar with the story, you can read it in depth in Luke chapter 10. Here's the basic outline of the story. There's a man walking along the road, and he gets beaten up, and all of his money is taken from him. Then people pass by him and see him on the side of the road, people who seem likely to stop and help, and yet they don't stop and help this man. Along comes a man who's a Samaritan man. He's a more unlikely person to stop and help, but yet he does. So he stops and he helps and he brings this man to an end. And it's at the end where the man is cared for. And the author says, this is a picture of the church. The inn is a place of radical hospitality where the Samaritan knows I can take this man and he will be welcomed. And I thought, wow. I wonder, is that who we are? Is that who we are becoming here at the church, here at the Duluth Vineyard? We want to be a place where we can bring our friends and our family who are wounded and hurt, right? And have them be welcomed, welcomed home. We want them to be able to feel that radical love of God. 
So as we look all throughout the Old Testament, we see this radical love of God, this amazing hospitality, and it's rooted into the very character of who God is. Hospitality reflects the very character of God right from the very beginning of the Old Testament. Because what we see in the creation story is God provides this special welcoming place for Adam and Eve to live, right? The Garden of Eden. In the first chapters of Genesis, we see God's hospitality on display. He creates the heavens and the earth. And by doing so, he makes the perfect environment for Adam and Eve to survive on, and not just to survive, he provides a place for them to thrive. The creative work of God in making a home for his prized possessions, it's a demonstration of hospitality, and it reflects the character of God. In fact, hospitality is so very important to God that he actually commands it of his people. We see that command to the nation of Israel. They are commanded to welcome the foreigner and the stranger. Leviticus 19, and 34 says this, When an alien resides with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You will regard the alien who resides with you as native-born among you. You are to love him as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So God's generous hospitality as seen here for the Israelites, it was meant to be reciprocated. The Israelites had experienced this firsthand, this incredible hospitality of God. They were, they were in Egypt and God radically came in and saved them and he brought them into the wilderness and then over and over and over again in the wilderness he provides for them in these miraculous ways. So all throughout the Old Testament we see this trait. He is generous in his hospitality and he is welcoming even to the people who are unseen, even to the stranger and the alien. And we see this all through the history and the story of God. And then we come to his most generous act, sending Jesus, the baby Jesus, right? The Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. And it is through the perfect life of Jesus and his willingness to suffer and die on the cross and then him being rose again that we come into the family of God. It's through Jesus that God welcomes us home. He reaches out to all of us and says, welcome home. And what could be more hospitable than this? Being welcomed without condition, the doors of the kingdom of God open wide to absolutely every single one of us and absolutely every single person you could possibly meet anywhere. And it's all through the gift of baby Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. So th then we take a look at the Gospels, and we look at the life of Jesus. And similarly, we see that Jesus is also hospitable. It looks a little different for this adult Jesus because he doesn't have a home, he doesn't have a house. 
to invite people into. The adult Jesus that we read about in the Gospels is homeless, right? But we see the same generous characteristic of hospitality deeply rooted into who Jesus is. So Jesus spends a lot of time eating and drinking with people. So much so that his enemies actually accuse him of eating and drinking to excess. Early in Luke's gospel, the Pharisees and their scribes, they say this to Jesus. The disciples of John, they fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours, they eat and they drink. So in fact, Luke's gospel is so full of stories of Jesus eating with people. And most of the people that he's eating with, they're not the most desirable people. They're not the people who are normally invited into our homes. So let's take a look. You'll see it on your screen here. This is a bit of an overview of the Gospel of Luke. And what we see is, Luke 5, Jesus eats with the tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi, who's a tax collector. Luke 7, Jesus is anointed at the home of Simon, the Pharisee, during a meal. Luke 9, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He doesn't do this in somebody's home. He doesn't do this in a temple. He does it outside, and he does it to excess. You read the story, there's leftovers, leftovers that get to go home with people, right, and provide yet another meal. Luke 10, Jesus eats at the home of Martha and Mary. Luke 11, Jesus condemns the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at a meal. Luke 14, Jesus at a meal, he urges people to invite the poor into their homes rather than their friends. Luke 19, Jesus invites himself to dinner at Zacchaeus' house, another tax collector. And then in Luke 22, this is what I read during the communion announcement, we see the account of the Last Supper. In Luke 24, the risen Christ, he meets with two disciples in Emmaus, for a meal, and then later we see him actually cooking fish and eating fish with his disciples in Jerusalem. Jesus spends an awful lot of time going to a meal, being at a meal, or coming from a meal. And who he's eating with tells us a great deal about his heart. He isn't eating with the important religious people. He is not eating with the people who are the powerful political people in the area. He's not eating with the big influencers who you should be meeting with if you're trying to get a ministry going. No, he's eating with those people who are on the margin. He's eating with the outcast of society. He's eating with people who don't get invited. This is why those important religious people, they get so angry at him. It's why he gets crucified. And I have to believe that many of these meals that Jesus is a part of were kind of messy. And I don't mean in the dirty dishes sort of messy way. I mean in the complicated relationship sort of way. I mean in the way that people say things and do things that make other people feel uncomfortable. Here's just a couple of examples. Jesus is at a meal where a woman comes, a woman who's not very accept, acceptable, and she pours 
really expensive perfume on Jesus. So expensive that it would make us gasp if we understood what it was that she was doing. And then there's the woman who comes and sits at his feet. Again, not a woman who is very accepted in most people's homes. And, and the, the host doesn't wash Jesus' feet, but she sits and weeps at his feet. She uses her hair to wipe his feet. You may think, oh, well, they probably did those things in that culture. No, they didn't. It's just as unusual as if it happened at your house. These are unusual things. These are things that could be upsetting to people. But it didn't matter to Jesus. In fact, he seems to invite these messes. And I'm wondering, am I willing to invite these messes into my home? Are we willing, especially like because of where we've been, right? We've been with this messy, messy, messy. We'd like to, like, get past it, and then can we just do church kind of comfortably and safely? But we're called to invite people and for us to be willing to be honest enough to bring our own messes when we gather together. So what's our response to God's gift of hospitality? Well, let's look back at these two passages again. The Romans text, when we look at it again, Romans 12, 13, Paul says, share with the Lord's people in need. Practice hospitality. Well, literally what it says here in the original Greek is pursue hospitality. And the verb here, it implies a constant, consistent action. So it's not like a one-shot thing, right? I invited some people for Thanksgiving. I'm good for the year. Thank you very much. No, that's not what it is. It's this constant attitude of being welcoming. It raises the bar a bit, doesn't it? And if that's not enough, let's look back at the first Peter passage. It says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And that means we're meant to be the kind of people who are hospitable and we like it, right? It's not something that we just do and get it done. This is more about who we are. It's more about our character than just doing the right thing. So I'm wondering, as I'm thinking and talking about this whole idea of the character of Jesus, the character of God, I'm wondering about Casey's character. I'm wondering, am I starting to look a bit, a bit more like Jesus day by day? Because we're not just in, invited it's not just about us inviting people into our home. We also need to do, we're also meant to do this without grumbling about the extra dishes. We're also meant to do this without flinching when we think about how our food budget just took a hit because there were so many people and then they invited their friends and there were even more people that I had to feed. Now the idea here is that we let the hospitality of God flow through us. So this is where we need the Holy Spirit, right? Because we can't do this on our own. None of us. None of us are that hospitable by our, our nature, 
We need to do this. We need to practice hospitality. And when we do this and we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, here's what we get to experience. We get to experience the refreshing joy of being conduits of God's hospitality. When we, when we practice God's hospitality, we experience the thrill of feeling the power of the Holy Spirit conquer our fears and our stinginess. And we need the Holy Spirit, right, to do this. We need the Holy Spirit to do this well. It's the only way we can be the church that God is calling us to be in this new season. And there are few joys, honestly, that are more exciting than experiencing this. It's this liberating power of God's hospitality making us new and radically different kinds of people. People who reflect the glory of God's grace as he extends hospitality out. I'm going to say that again in a different way because I think it's just so important. When we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, we show hospitalities to others. And it's, that, it's actually good for us. It changes us. It makes us more like Jesus. And that's what we want, right? I know many, most of you, I know your hearts. That's what we want. We want to allow our Heavenly Father to mold and shape us so that we look more and more like Jesus. And that's what we want this place to be, right? A welcoming place. A place where people can come through the doors and feel safe and feel like they're coming home. So how do we do this thing? How can we be a place that's welcoming to everyone inside this building, in our homes, in our small groups, at school, at the store, at work, all the places? How do we do this? Well, we're, we're asking the question, right? We're entering into this new season as a church. We're being really intentional about changing the culture of our church. And we're asking the question, who are we? Who are we called to be? Who are we meant to be as a people? And I think one of the pieces of this is about how hospitable are we? I think we're going to be able to see, has, have changes taken place by how hospitable we are, again, in this building and in our homes. So how can I, how can we, draw people, particularly people who are hurting, people who have been victims, people who live on the margins of society, into this deep experience of, of God's hospitality. Who might need reinforcements right now against their, in their battle of loneliness? We've talked about, we have a blue Christmas service coming up to invite people. Most of you know my story. It's, it's a hard season when somebody who's been at the table for a long, long time isn't at the table. And there are literally hundreds of people across the Duluth area who are experiencing that kind of thing for lots and lots of reasons, not just the death of a loved one, but because of divorce, because of estrangement, broken relationships, people who've moved away, all sorts of things. 
So, so I'm wondering, who are the people we can invite to Blue Christmas? Who are the people we can invite to our Christmas Eve services? And then even sit with them. And then what are the other things we can do? How can we take practical steps to be this radical community that welcomes people in? All right, here we're going to get super practical. Step one, pray. And I don't mean pray, okay, God, I got this idea. Would you just bless it? Because I, I don't know about you, but I've prayed that way <laughs> before because I think I have a lot of good ideas. No, that's not what I mean here. I mean you, each one of us, me, you, all of us, individually saying, God, how have you uniquely made me? What are the things that you have uniquely put in me? And then how can I use those things to be more hospitable and be more welcoming. So this is a time of you just really sitting with the Lord and asking that question. And we're all at different places, right, in our lives, in our life's journey. Some of us are married and have large families and lots of little children around. Some of us are single and things look different for us, right? Some of us have economic means. Some of us don't. We're, we're all in lots and lots and lots of different places, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. God is just asking us to take the next step, whatever that next step is that he has for you. So if you live with other people, how about praying with them? How about praying and saying, what could we do together to be hospitable? How could we invite some more people into the fun things that maybe you get together and do already? Ask God together, and then again, listen for his response. And so you know how God is in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I say, hey, I don't know what to do about this, and boom, there's the answer right there, right? Boom, right there. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes <laughs> I have to go back <laughs> and ask again and again and again. And you know that used to frustrate me? But I actually love that because what it feels like is, is God's inviting me to come again and again. And he's drawing me deeper every single time. He's like, Casey, do you mean it? Do you mean it? Do you really want more of my hospitality in your life? Well, then come again, and let's talk about it some more. Spend some more time listening at my feet. And here's what I wonder. If we all did this, if we all took this invitation seriously, what would our church community look like a year from now? I strongly sense that God has so many creative ideas on how we can show his generous hospitality that if we ask and we keep asking and we listen, that we will become a place where people will feel safe, where people will feel like they can come and they can be welcomed completely. And so Again, we're, you know, we're all at different places in this journey of becoming more generous and, hos and hospitable to others. And there are some of you who are brilliant at this. 
I hear stories I've experienced firsthand. Some of the hospitality that happens in small groups and in your homes. And if that's you, thank you. Thank you for doing that because it's huge. And I'm wondering, could you help some of the rest of us? If that's you, if you are doing this already, could you invite some of the rest of us to maybe come alongside and could you give us a few tips on how to do this thing? And I just want to emphasize that it doesn't matter where we're at on the continuum because maybe right now what you're feeling is, oh, I should be better at this. Oh, I'm not very good at this. And let me just say to you, that's not your loving Heavenly Father's voice. That's the voice of the enemy. So if you're hearing shoulds right now, if you're hearing condemnation, say, get out of here. I was going to say something stronger. Get out of here, <laughs> Satan, which is kind of how I talk to him. Um, <laughs> and, and leave me alone. That's not my father's voice. I want to hear what my father has to say to me about this. So some of us, we need smaller concrete steps to move forward. And that's okay, again. So here are some first steps, ways that we can all start practicing hospitality. Did you know that there's all sorts of things that you could do right here in this building on Sunday mornings to help us be a more welcoming place? You probably have noticed there are greeters who stand at the doors and welcome you and they smile at you. We would love to have you join that team. There are people who stand in the Welcome Center who also welcome you and smile at you. Again, how about over at the coffee bar? Maybe you've noticed that we haven't had all that many people over there serving, and we'd like to have a few more over there smiling and generously making people feel welcome. So those are, those are just a few. You, could, you can go downstairs and be welcoming to children. There are all sorts of ways that right here on a Sunday morning, you could start practicing more hospitality. But there's also lots and lots of established, well-established ministries that happen around this church, in this building, and outside of this building during the week. Did you know that Clint is down at the Plaza Center right downtown every Wednesday at 5.30, and he has hot chocolate or whatever it is he happens to have that day to hand out to people? You could join him. It's a great way if you're like, I don't know these people who live on the margins that you're referring to, or these, those, then this might be a way for you to meet some folks that maybe don't have the kinds of things that you have and maybe start to get to know them. Or you could join the Muffin Ladies. Muffin Ladies have been going to Steve O'Neill Apartments for seven years. In fact, the Muffin Ladies are more consistent than the staff that's there. The staff has rolled and changed, and the same basic muffin ladies have been there for seven years. They are this consistency in the lobby that is what's more welcoming than homemade muffins and juice boxes, right? So at 6.50 on Thursday mornings, all throughout the school year, this small group of women consistently go down to Steve O'Neill, and they are this welcoming presence, and you know they would absolutely love to have you join them. And if you think 6.50, I don't know, in the morning, that's okay. 
How about making muffins and, let, and dropping them off ahead of time? Because that works really well. They need more muffins. Or how about buying some juice boxes or some granola bars that they give away? Do you know what? They also give away dog biscuits so that the dogs that live there in the apartments have a treat as well. Right? Uh, lots and lots of ways that you could help out with that ministry. And did you also know that we have women that go every week to the Women's Care Center? Every single week, they supply, again, juice boxes and granola bars and would absolutely love you to help, help them with those supplies because neither of these two ministries has a line item in the Duluth uh, Vineyard budget. All of it is done by the, the very few women, and I'm talking very few women, like about five between these two ministries who are doing these things. They provide all of these things. And at the Women's Care Center, some of them go and they help out with some of the classes that are being taught. Some help watch the kids. So there are lots and lots of things that you can do. And of course, we have a food shelf here, right? We have a food shelf that's open on Saturday mornings and on Tuesday nights. And John mentioned that we keep breaking records. More and more people are showing up and folks, these aren't people who, who can go to the grocery store and buy their food. These are people who are in a desperate situation, and that's why they're coming here. There's so many people coming that Barry's considering opening another day of the week because the need is so great, which, of course, allows more opportunity for more of us to join Barry and be hospitable right here in our building. And then there's Laundry Love, which is a way that you can help homeless people get their clothes washed on a regular basis. So any and all of these things, you can grab a volunteer guide at the information rack. It's the blue big pamphlet out there. And you can see how to get involved. Or just email me, and I'll point you to the right person. But then, like, maybe that's not what God's calling you to do. Maybe what God's calling you to do is to join with a nonprofit in the Duluth community. Maybe God's, God's inviting you to do that. So if there's a website. There it is. You can literally, this is, I think, kind of like dating. Like, a, I've never done that, but, and I'm not going to do that. But um, I think it's like a dating website, right, with, a, with nonprofits. You can uh, go in and say, here's uh, who, I'm, who I am, what I like, what I'm interested in. Here are the days and the times that I'm available. And they'll give you a list of some nonprofits in the Duluth area. All right. I know. It's a lot. I've got more. How about inviting people into your home on a Sunday after church? So when my husband and I were, were first um, married, we moved out to Colorado. We were in our early 20s, and we went to a church that we thought might, might be a good fit for us there. The very first Sunday, we're greeted at the door by a really friendly man, welcomes us in. After the service, he comes up, he introduces us to his wife, and they invite us over to their house for lunch that very day. Like, come with us after church and have lunch at our house. And you know what? First of all, still friends with them today. Secondly, this, they made a practice of this. They always put a meal in the crock pot. They always had the house cleaned and ready. And they would either invite new people who came to the church or invite people that they didn't know very well. They made this a practice. What a great idea. And some, some of us could do that. Some, some of us can't, but some could. 
And might God be inviting you to open up your house to hosting a small group? Can you fit six, eight, ten people someplace in your house reasonably comfortably? It's really nice to meet in houses for small groups. All right, how about this one? How about dreaming about and praying about extending hospitality to international students? Do you know that we have several college campuses and universities here, and they have international students? And I think, how great would this be? You know, oftentimes they're, um, they're there over breaks. They don't have anywhere to go for the holidays. They might just want to get out of the dorms, right, and come to, to a home and experience a meal. And what a great way to learn more about the world. What a great way for your children to be exposed to different cultures right in your home. I think this is my favorite one. I'm pretty sure God might be talking to me about this one. So if you're interested, talk to me. We have to figure out something together, right? All right. So again, what would it look like Gather some friends together. Do something like this once a month. You get the idea here, right? So these are just ideas that in a relatively short time, I felt like God was kind of highlighting to me. There is no limits with his generosity. He is a God who is always, always inviting. So what's the invitation even in this holiday season to you? What's his invitation for us as a church as we start the new year? Who does he see that we're not seeing? Who does he have more for that we could invite in to more? So the God of the universe, he is absolutely always in wel welcoming. He's welcoming each and every one of us home, and he's inviting us to join with him in the welcome. There's an invitation for you. There's an invitation for me. I wonder if I'll be brave enough to look at it next week when I'm not tasked with talking to you about it. I hope so. Why don't you come up to me and ask me? <laughs> That's probably would be really helpful for me. <laughs> yeah. So the God of the universe is always inviting us into more. Let's stand up and let's begin right now asking him more about that. Let me pray. So again, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we need your presence right here with us. Yeah. So where there is resistance, pay attention. Very often, it is the very place that we feel resistance that the Holy Spirit is talking to us about the most. And can I just say again, if you are feeling shoulds, should have, if you are feeling shame, it is not your Father's voice. So I just break that off right now. I break off the voice of the enemy that can cause anyone after this message to feel like somehow they're not enough. That is not the point. It is not what God has for you. And if you're here today and you haven't yet said yes to God's ultimate gift of Jesus, I would like to invite you right now to do that. 
Just simply say, yes, God, I need the gift of Jesus. I know that I have made mistakes in my life and I am not worthy of the welcome home. But because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, I know that you can restore me to the life that I am meant to live. So if that's you, I'd invite you to come forward. I'd also invite the um, ministry team people to come forward at this time. The people who are coming up to pray, they're also offering this unique gift of hospitality of God. They've been trained to pray with you so you can trust them. So if that's you and you've said yes for the first time, would you come up and would you tell someone they have a packet that they'd like to give to you and they'd like to pray for you? And maybe what you're hearing you're hearing today, maybe you're hearing like, okay, here's the next step. And you're like, I'm afraid of the next step. I'm afraid to even ask God about the next step, right? Well, again, let's pray about it. Let's be a community that does this together, that seeks God's voice for each of us as individuals and as a corporate community and what he has next for us. Maybe there's a dream that got dropped in your head, like my dream of reaching out to international students. Maybe there's a dream like that and you don't know what to do with it. Come up and get some more prayer about that. Or maybe you just finished a really rough Thanksgiving for lots of reasons. Maybe there are people who have been at the table who aren't at the table. Maybe the people who are at the table are hard to be with. There are lots of reasons why the holidays are hard. And so if you are exhausted from the Thanksgiving holiday and you are just not feeling quite up for the next one coming, would you come and get prayer for that? Because we would love to pray for you about that and absolutely anything else. So again, always, always inviting people to receive prayer about anything, any type of healing, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You have pain? This is the place to come to Jesus and meet him in. Thank you for coming today.